we've all seen the ads on social media. Own a house for the cost of a cup of coffee a week. Massive growth area. Make thousands a week. Develop for profit. You know what I mean. You've seen them. How do you work out who to trust and who to run a mile from? Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to move it along and become homeowners. But most importantly, it is for home buyers who want to get it right. I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mum. And that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 45 years experience to share with you and bucket loads of stories and avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure you get unbiased and real information you can rely on. We've got loads of free tips for you in this episode. And if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website homebuyeracademy.com.au. There you'll get access to our free webinar, How to Buy Your First Home with the Right Amount of Debt. You'll also find the holy grail of home buying education, Your First Home Buyer Guide, the online course of people who want to be educated home buyers. We have created this for you to help you get on the right path to home ownership for your first home and beyond. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You, of course, know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field who takes the time to understand your personal situation. We've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change rapidly. So always check with the relevant government authority or your trusted advisors to get the most up-to-date information. Today we're talking about property spruikers, how to spot them and how to work out who you can trust. But before we get into that, there is a special house behind Megan in the video this week. Continuing my fun with Airbnb's OMG category, this is a yellow submarine that you can stay in just across the ditch in New Zealand. How fun does that look? Claustrophobic to me, I probably am not that keen to get in it, but I like more windows myself. That's exactly what it looks like, claustrophobic. Do you know, have you ever been in a submarine? I have not. I have at the War Museum. Really? And I can honestly tell you when I went in there, I was like, hell, this would be hell. And so I like a window. I think a window is a good thing to have in a property. And you are like, these people are down there for months and the conditions are cramped. And the thing vibrates the whole time as well. And there's just constant noise and no window. So um, I would highly recommend not. It's an amazing mindset to be able to cope with that kind of environment. It's incredible. Anyway, all right. Well, that looks like fun. If you're up for it, go and just stay in one over there in New Zealand. Do not buy one. Yeah. <laughs> probably not easy to price. Probably not easy to sell either if you get a limited submarine. Alrighty, so we've got a topic that's both intriguing and cautionary today, property spookers. So what is a property spooker, Megan? Should we start off with that? Let's do that. So they're individuals or organisations who often promise to make you rich through real estate, um, sometimes investment, sometimes your own home. But the reality sometimes can be a, a long way from what's advertised. So in this episode, what we're going to cover is the truth behind property spookers learn how to identify the tactics and provide you with tools to protect yourself from falling into potential traps. So let's kick it off. 
Yes. With property is a challenging, difficult thing to get your head around. It's complex, right? And apart from the fact that you've got to save for a hell of a lot of time before you can get into the property market in the first place, then you've got decisions around finance, you've got decisions around the, you know, what to buy, where to buy, how much to pay. So many things to worry about. And in life, we tend to, human beings, we like to go the easy option. Oh, yeah. Give it to me on a plate. Yeah. If someone's going to give me a silver bullet, oh, great. I don't have to go and do the work. I don't have to go and do the hard thing and work out what's right, what's wrong, blah, blah, blah. And that's where spruikers can be so dangerous because spruikers are just highly, highly polished salespeople with great marketing spin. Yep. And they can break things down to make it sound so easy, a bit like buying, a, buying an investment property for a price of a coffee a day. You know, oh, great. That's easy. No word of how long term will it do it do its job as an investment for you. We're not worried about that. We're just worried about the easy bit. But it, it promises this sort of long term financial freedom as well. And I think that's a thing that feels really attractive is somebody has packaged this up for me and they're handing it to me on a silver platter. I'm crazy not to do it. Well, no, you're not. You're crazy to question whether you should do it. Um, no, you're not crazy if you question whether you should do it. You're just crazy if you just do it without questioning it. Oh, can we go back on that? What did I say? You're crazy. You're crazy if you question it. You're not. You're crazy. <laughs> Don't question it is what I meant. <laughs> should we leave this little edit in or, or are we just confusing people? <laughs> you're crazy if you don't question it. Question it. You're crazy if you don't question. And the good thing is that I was listening to you, which so I could go, hang on a minute, that's not what you meant to say. Right. So property spruikers are notorious for pushing buyers into quick decisions. Right? They really use those high-pressure sales tactics and glossy marketing materials um, and that without actually providing comprehensive information. And, and they're classic when I, when, you know, you talk about high growth area and they can talk about, oh, you know, evidence of property prices rising in these areas. And it's like the data they're using isn't actually untrue. It's just that they're actually lying with statistics because they're using the statistics often in a way that isn't technically correct. It's like the data is true. What they're saying is true, but how they're applying it isn't. And I'll give you an example. That's the interpretation of statistics, isn't it? Because you can interpret statistics in all sorts of different, the same statistic can be interpreted in all sorts of different ways, depending how you choose to use it. And, you know, I read this book that Kent Lardner, who's, you know, one of my favourite property data people, and he said to me, you've got to read this book. It was written in 1954. And it's called How to Lie with Statistics. And it's so educational, right? And I'll give you just one little example. A lot of people, particularly with house and land packages. And right, this is something that's really offered to a lot of first home buyers. And, you know, and and they dangle the big carrot of all the government incentives, et cetera, et cetera. Now there's a lot of property spruikers in this in this space. And they all sound like they're helping you. But the problem is that are they really, right? And one of the things that they will talk about is a high growth area. And I love it when I see this, when I say I love it, I hate it at the same time. And that is they talk about Prices in this area have, you know, been doubling or going up at this huge percentage. And when I go and look at the data and go, wow, that's an incredible statistic. Is that true? And I go and look at the data and I found, and I have found this in a number of different areas, and this is where they've redeveloped areas where they've knocked down older homes 
on bigger blocks of land, or they've 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 basically ripped up market gardens, you know, and 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 they've bought properties that were previously sort of acreage, and then they've been able to subdivide into much smaller lots. Those individual properties sold for a lot of money because they were development sites. And it showed as huge growth because when it was just a home on a big block of land, it was not worth as much until it was rezoned and you could build a lot more on it. And then it had a massive increase in value. So that's where the actual increase of value came from, was from a rezoning, which allowed people to then turn into a development site. And so technically that's true. This area has had a massive growth in value. But that doesn't mean that all these little tiny houses built on little tiny blocks of land are going to increase in the same way because the reason they had that increase in value was a rezoning change. It was a a, a change in zoning, not because this house, this brand new house that you're going to buy is going to do the same thing. And so that's where they're not technically lying, but the application of that statistic is completely and utterly inaccurate when it comes to what you're going to buy in that area. It is true, Veronica, and and it can, and they can back up some of these claims with statistics. And and but if you, as you say, if you actually lift up the hood and look underneath and start to delve a bit deeper, also what can be happening is that the old statistic might might be based on uh, yeah average kind of town house, bit unrenovated, you know that that general established older home. And then when you start selling new homes on a block of land, they generally are sold at a higher price for a premium price, actually. So that big growth, that big kick in the median house price is artificial until you start to have a look at the resale of those new houses down the track. That's when you start to get a better understanding of how that area is actually performing. What you've had is simply a change in the nature, the structure of the property types that are in that particular area. It doesn't tell you that prices are rising. What you really want to look at is what happens when those resell down the track. Do they resell at a higher price or do they resell at a much lower price? And that's, I think, what's really dangerous. It's really, really dangerous. Such a good example. Some years ago when I started learning about all this, and we're probably talking about mm, 15 years ago now, and I was looking at apartments in Sydney and areas where, which had experienced great growth. And at the time, Alexandria came out as one of the suburbs with the biggest median apartment growth rate. And I was like, wow, what's happening in Alexandria? And I started looking at it. It was like, well, it was all these, and it's still happening now, let me tell you, there were all these, it was like the first generation of rezoning of industrial land to apartments. And so there were some old apartment buildings in there, but they were like, you know, your red, red brick three-story walk-up types, the odd one around, and then all of a sudden you're getting these large modern complexes and, of course, those apartments, brand new, were selling at a premium, exactly that. So that growth was was it was actually it, – it was artificial because you weren't comparing the same properties. It wasn't yeah. – you were comparing an egg with an apple. It wasn't even the same variety. It wasn't even the same <laughs> type of food. It's a different, different animal altogether. Different animal, but different beast. <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right. Well, let's let's help everybody. Let's let's yeah. You know, being aware of red, red flags is really is really really important. So let's delve into some common warning signs that could indicate that you're dealing with a property spruker. Yeah, because of course you've got to remember that these are salespeople, right? Their goal is to make a sale. It, it's their goal is not to help you. Um, make financial success. There, you know, you're done. You you've signed up. You bought your property. They're off to the next one. 
And they get a very good commission for that sale too. Let they me do. All care, no responsibility. Yep. Right. So the promise of high guaranteed returns, red flag. Nobody can promise any return. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Just take off the rose-coloured glasses and, and have a think. Is this really so far above what's happening in the real world that I really need to step back and, and question whether these promises can actually come to fruition? Another one too is like that lack of transparency in terms of property details or, you know, or ex sales examples of really very close comparables for argument's sake or market trends or potential risks. I, I love the graphs. You know, they show a lovely upward curve, but there's no numbers on the graph. <laughs> like, have you ever seen those charts? <laughs> yeah. Look, look for evidence detail yeah and then be critical about that evidence <laughs> and and i think look i want to go back to that that very last thing that you said in that um that warning sign that red flag which is not talking about potential risks because anybody who really cares about people in property in investment in real estate they are going to tell you the good and the bad because they want you to go into it's like us like we're constantly saying they're this is not risk-free. Buying a property is not risk-free. There are risks associated. It's about understanding what those risks are and then making well-informed decisions to see if that sits comfortably within your risk profile. But if you're sitting in a seminar or sitting in front of um, someone who's spruiking a particular property and say, this is guaranteed to go up, red flag. You know, you'll never lose here, red flag. You know, the the best opportunity you'll ever have in your lifetime, red flag. That's a sales pitch. And the product is you because they're selling to, to selling to you, yet yeah, the property might be the thing that you buy, but um, they're not giving you advice and they're not telling you about the risks. Especially if they've false scarcity is another thing that they, they'll say. You know, one of the things that cracks me up is like, this is an off-market opportunity to buy off the plan. <laughs> like, oh, because they weren't really going to sell that. Or everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, and then they do, some of the launches of these new developments, uh, you know, they're professionally put on to create FOMO and you've got people pulling over themselves to sign up for properties. You say, hang on a minute, hang on, hang on, hang on, step back. Let's critically evaluate this. Better off, better still critically evaluate before you go to any of these events but there's a lot of seminar events for home, first home buyers that are all that are designed to really just get you all tumbling into into a house and land or even in apartments, you know. And this sense that you know if you don't get in now, you're going to miss out. Without, as Megan said, talking about the risks, but also the evidence. You know, there's there's so much evidence that people are more likely to lose money on brand new properties than they are on established properties. And not to say you're always going to make money on established either. Like, you know, we do bang on about risks here, but the risks of brand new are much greater, vastly greater than they are on established. And yet in these seminars, they've got the budgets to create really great pitches because they make so much money out of selling this stuff. They're selling There's each one. huge commissions to be gained. So you've got to be very, very careful. And, and there's a defined number of them. So they have an outcome to achieve. And, and that's something to think about as well. Whatever's in the development or the land release, that's the number they've got to sell. There's not more that they've got to sell. They're going to move on to their next 
product as soon as those are sold. But they have targets to meet. They have um, the, the developers they're working for have holding costs that they want to minimise. So the quicker they can get these sales done, the quicker they get the commission in their pockets and the quicker the developer moves on to the next project. So just be aware of that. If there isn't really clear balanced information in a seminar or when you're talking to to a salesperson and 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 a spruker potentially, then the red flag is you're you're not getting both sides of the story. You need to step away, get out of that excitement phase because it is exciting and you get really wound up. And a really good salesperson will take you on an emotional journey that starts you at the point of skepticism. And takes you to the point of, I cannot walk away until I've signed that. Sign me up. Yeah. And that, that is a good salesperson. It's not a good property advisor though. And it certainly isn't necessarily a good property deal. So yeah, take those road, rose colors. Always take a breath. Never sign anything when you're standing in front of a salesperson for the first time. Because you don't want to be the product of a spruker who goes home and goes, you should have seen what I did today. And and almost crows about it, you know. Got these people to sign on the spot. You got to give yourself some personal boundaries if you are going to go to any of these seminars. I just say don't go to them. But you know, if you are going to go to any of them or find yourself in the presence of someone, you think, oh God, this feels a bit pressured. It feels a bit, a bit well like a well-oiled machine. You know, there's, there's something niggling away at you that you're not really, not really. Um, 100% convinced at the same time you feel the pull you feel that you're getting pulled along because there's a lot of a lot of um you know behavioral biases they're tapping into to try to get you to make a decision and so it's good to go to these things and absolutely set a boundary for yourself to say I will not make a decision on anything unless I've had 24 hours to think about it and and I'm going to research the spruker, the developer, the location, the whatever, whatever you're going to do, set some personal boundaries to protect yourself. Have you got any uh, examples, maybe a personal example, Megan? Years ago, before I was in the industry, I was um, lured into a seminar promising huge profits in a short time by purchasing a mining town. Now, as I say, this is before I was involved in property. So we're talking 20 plus years ago. Um, the presenter used enormous pressure tactics and um, whilst I didn't end up um, investing in a property, I I guess I was sceptical enough that I looked at it and I went, it just seems too good to be true. And and what was happening in Queensland at the time, and there's been a lot of legislative changes to deal with this, but what was happening in these seminars was people were put in a room and they almost were not allowed to leave this room until they had been through an entire process. So I sort of got to the point where I was like, yeah, this is not for me. I need to leave. And I was moved into another room to, to continue the sales process. Oh, wow. Yeah, what they were doing was they had the sales pitch there, they had a conveyancer there, and they had a mortgage broker there. They also had a valuer there. So oh what my they were God. doing was providing an end-to-end risk management process, if you like, uh, so that you would feel as a buyer, well, everything's above board here because that solicitor's going to give me the right advice. And that valuer, they're going to tell me if it's not worth that. So it was almost like they had absolutely packed in this spruiking 101 in Queensland 20 years ago. They had the full package there so that you actually ended up with no objections at the end. They had covered every objection that you possibly could. And and at the end of it, you you, you almost felt like, if I don't do this, I'm the idiot. And and that was such a dangerous, dangerous and incredibly emotionally 
an intellectually manipulative environment to be in because you felt like these people are looking after me. Yeah. And even though, look, you can still get one-stop shops. There's plenty of one-stop shops out there that will stitch you up effectively. And so, and even though, you know, in our businesses, we will recommend, you know, conveyances, we will recommend a mortgage broker, we will recommend people, but we're not in business with them all. No. And we're also not trying to get you to do a particular thing, which is sign a contract. <laughs> you know? Yes. <laughs> it's got to be independent. So you almost fell for it. How did you get out of it? I just, I just didn't insist. I said, I'm not, I'm not buying this. In fact, I have so many questions about this whole process. I, I don't see how this could actually be legal. And it, it's funny, it wasn't very long after that that, um, because there was no cooling off periods back then. So not long oh, after, wow. it was only a few years after that that they started to the Queensland government started to realise that these pressure tactics were putting people. People were paying hundred dollars, five hundred dollars to put a contract on a property that they couldn't get out of. There was no out because they'd had the independent legal advice from the solicitor that was there at the seminar. Um, so that's when cooling off periods were actually um, brought into Queensland. But you know, me personally, it was just simply, I'm not buying it. So you might as well open the door and let me out. You know, not going to happen. Otherwise, I'll start heckling and then <laughs> other people won't buy. <laughs> I just kept saying, it just sounds too good to be true. It just sounds too good to be true. I just kept saying, it just sounds too good to be true. Yeah, you know, and the answer from the speaker is it is. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? Because um, I mean, I'm a natural cynic. Uh, you know, I do, I do err to know before I err to yes. I know, I know. Um, but I have felt the lure of things like that myself. You know, and that that questioning yourself thing: Am I missing a trick here? Am I missing something? Is it? Oh, yeah. you know, and that's very dangerous because even as a natural cynic or a natural contrarian i say i'm not that cynic. i'm actually more optimistic than a cynic um but i am contrarian um even if i can feel that pull then then someone who's not as naturally contrarian as me then uh, you know it's you can see how people get lured into it now it's great laws have changed and there's certainly across the country there's there's um uh, fair trading is is stepped in in many cases to stop a lot of really poor practices, but it doesn't change the fact that there's a there's a lot of sophistication around the marketing of some of these schemes, and there are still property spruikers out there, and spruiking itself is not illegal, right? And also, you know, and they are SARS people. Some of them are real estate agents, so there's certain you know, um, I guess legislation that governs their behaviour there. And there, and obviously, there's a the fair trade, fair um, office of fair trading does step in with regards to certain things as well. But the problem is with property is that when you make these decisions, you might have a cooling off period, but within that cooling off period, even then, you've got sunk costs because you've already committed, and to uncommit is um, harder uh, it, than if you hadn't committed in the first place. But also, the idea is with property is that it is a long game, as we are always on about. It's hard to know that it's not a good decision until time has passed. Yeah. And so what we're saying is if you feel that you're being manipulated, if you feel that you're responding to something without the full information or that the information is skewed in a way that you're not getting the full picture and then potentially misusing statistics and data, even with a cooling off period, you've got to be very careful. Uh, oh, good advice. I was just thinking also, in sometimes in these seminars, there are people planted 
to create a feeling of positivity towards making uh, saying yes, and and you and you can actually see them if you're sitting in the seminars and someone sort of looks a bit laid back and relaxed and they're nodding and and you know putting their hands up and asking questions that really in hindsight are quite well planted and and leading. They're questions. encouraging them to sell in the answer. Yeah. Or it sounds like an objection, but, you know, because quite often they'll raise the objections that you're thinking, yeah, I want to know that too. And then they give a really convincing answer and that person looks convinced and you go, oh, okay, then it's all right. Yeah. And you see someone who's, who's been put in there to move from, I'm skeptical and I don't believe this to, wow, this is, this is really something I want to do. Yes. Sign me up. They're, they're often people who have been put there and they are in the process of being part of the sales uh, machine that is to get you to sign on the dotted line. So that's that's another red flag to look out for is um, an agent when they say, we've already sold a quarter of the properties. Now that makes you feel like, oh, other people have thought this is a good thing. So maybe it is a good thing. You know, that feeling that there's some sort of confirmation there that what you're thinking might be okay, but other people think it's okay. So it must be okay. Social proof. It's a good point. Yeah, social proof. That's that's the term I was looking for. But if you dig in, sometimes those properties have been purchased by entities related to the developer. So they've been able to show some sales and to set the price. So um, we've often looked back at developments and looked at the early sales and said, we know that those companies are in business together or that is a related company to the directors of that one. That's how they've set the price. We need to ignore that price because that is is completely irrelevant. So though, some of those early sales, just be really careful who those sales have been to. Um, and even, you know, if, if you're feeling confident, say, were they sold to a related entity to set the price? Because they are in some cases. They absolutely are. I mean, some years ago, um, one of my team was doing a, an evaluation on a property. I won't say the suburb, but it was a beachside suburb of Sydney and it was an apartment. And the client already owned one in the building and he wanted to buy the one next door and he wanted to punch a hole through the wall and turn it into a bigger apartment, right? The agent had been t- telling him this certain price per square metre and he was thinking, oh, that seems a little high, but not impossible because of what he'd already paid for his one. When we looked in the building, in the actual building he was in, and we could see that the first sale of that building set a new price record for the suburb, which he matched when he bought his, we found out by a little digging that it was to the an auntie of the developer. So, it was a related party that sold to a new, set a new price record, which then this person went and bought the first one on the back of that. This person was a CEO of a quite a significant business. He was no slouch, this guy. And then he came to us for some, you know, to, for some advice on buying the next one. And we went, man, you've already over-invested in that building. And, you know, like nobody, no other building had been sold at that same square, um, dollar per square meter since. And I mean, like, if you match that, you're matching your own um, overpayment based on a related sale. So, you know, it was, and, and he, he was arguing with us even, like, because he was like <laughs> trying to justify that he hadn't overpaid. And we're like, well, you give us the evidence then, because you've, you've engaged us to advise you and we've discovered something that's a bit hard to swallow. Um, but so that's just one example, but it, that, you know, there are loads and loads of examples 
Yeah, the, the other is rebates, right? So to set a price in a complex or in a, a subdivision, um, sometimes to get the contract price to a certain level, the developer will re rebate the buyer. So let's say, for example, it's $500,000. It might actually really only be worth $450,000, but that, that developer wants that sale price to be shown at $500,000, so they'll rebate that first buyer the $50,000 as you know, a, a reward for getting in early or being one of the first or whatever the case may be. Now, there's no way of finding out whether these rebates happen except to ask the direct question um, and, and hope that, you know, you're dealing with someone who has the honesty to tell you. And, and we certainly have asked those direct questions in the past. But rebates mean that the contract price, the price that the valuers are using, they might question it because it doesn't look right, but that's the contract price that is, is recorded. And be very careful that you're not paying that, that you're paying, you know, you're comparing to what the rebated price was, which is the 450, not 500. Actually, you just raise a good, a good point there too, because valuers typically won't use um, sale prices of brand new property when they're evaluating a property. So like, you know, if it, like in a, with an apartment, for instance, so if there's a brand new building, there's off the plan sales in it. And they're they're doing evaluation on something else, another unit in the in the suburb that's an established property. They won't include those off the plan sales as comparables because it's well known that there's they're quite often inflated. Um, so you know that's that in itself is just a little bit of market intel that's worthwhile um, being aware of. So how can you protect yourself from property spookers? We've got a few points here for you. First, do your own research. Don't believe what you're sold. So don't ever rely solely on the information provided by the agent, the marketer, um, the spruker in this, this case. Verify market trends, look at property values and look carefully at potential risks independent of the information that you've been given. We always say anything an agent tells us is rumour until we prove it otherwise. So, you know, and that's, that's a, a, a good level of scepticism. That's not to say don't believe what you're told. But go on and independently verify it. Well, it's basically fact-checking, isn't it? And and so this is the thing. If they're making claims, fact-check them. And and it's funny because a lot of, you know, it, it's one of those things, um, a lot of you feel here, a lot of people in the property space to go, and so what are the tips for first home buyers? Okay, do your research. And then that's all they say. Yeah. And what we're saying is do your research, but this is what you need to do. This is the research you need to do. And so everything that we say to you want to be actionable and something, you know, valuable so second second thing you can do, take your time. Don't feel rushed. Don't rush. No. Do not rush. Do not feel when someone says to you, well, this deal's only available tonight. Okay. I bet it's I bet it's available tomorrow. <laughs> it's not just going to be a one-time thing. Because if they've still got other things to sell, they're going, yeah, the opportunity is going to be there. So don't feel pressured to sign until you've been able to take a deep breath, calm yourself, think logically and outside of the influence of those who are selling and, and just take those independent steps to verify. You know, in the course, we talk, we show you how to do the due diligence. In your first home buyer guide, we show you how to do the due diligence independently, taking information from all sorts of sources. And then understanding how that impacts the, you know, the particular property that you're looking at. You can do that independently and you can do it pretty quickly too. Like we're not talking weeks to evaluate, um, do the due diligence to evaluate. Also with your pricing, step back, take a breath, don't be swayed by what other 
other things have sold that are, that have been given to you as, as evidence of, of value, step back and have a look at it yourself and, and get some of that independent information. 100%. And you know what? A classic one too, that, that if they're pressuring you and you think, hang on a minute, how unique is this inverted commas opportunity really? Here's a little hack for you. Look on, on Google Maps or the satellite, right? And just sort of zoom out a little bit and think, oh, how many new suburbs could potentially be created right next to the new suburb I'm looking at right now? So, or if you're looking in back to my Alexandria example, that's in Sydney, that's an area where there's a lot of, um, there's still a lot of industrial sites, you know, left to be uh, turned into apartments or Marriottville. There's lots of, there's lots of areas where you just have to be careful to think, oh, how scarce is this really? Really? You know? Different if you're buying a harbourside apartment. There's only a few of those. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the spruikers don't sell stuff that's scarce, right? Because stuff that's truly scarce doesn't need the high-pressure tactics, you know? But stuff that's not really scarce, it does need the high-pressure tactics. Oh, that's good advice. Taking your time. It is, isn't it? I just came up with that. That's beautiful. I love it. Remember, it's your hard-earned money. You know, you're in control. Don't let somebody else control you. Now, you know, an exception to that is if you are working with a buyer's agent that you've engaged to work on your behalf, then they should be, and they're qualified, they're experienced, they're licensed, you know, they're, they're members of, of REBA, the, the association, PIPA. If, you're, if you've engaged people to work on your behalf, then there's a level of trust that you need to have that you don't need to, to independently verify and, and, and question. By all means, ask questions, but it's a very different, that is a very different relationship and a very different level of professionalism to a salesperson selling you something. So I just want to differentiate between those two groups. Good point. I mean, it really does come down to who's paying them, you know. So you're paying them, then they are advising you. If somebody else is paying them, then they're selling a product. Uh, or a service. Um, okay, so what, pre you know, do we have any legal measures in place to protect investors from property spruikers or first-time buyers from property spruikers? Look, there are. To a degree, to a degree. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is legislation about what you can and can't do. There's, as I said, the cooling off period was introduced to give people the ability to breathe after they'd been put in these high-pressure situations. Um, so the, the Office of Fair Trading in, in each state, they are the regulatory body for these sorts of things. You know, in many jurisdictions, property uh, property spruikers who engage in deceptive practices can face legal consequences. But you've got to know what those deceptive practices are to make the complaint to be able to get a remedy. So if you've signed a contract and they've kind of done all the right things around that process, but you've got information or you believed information that you haven't independently verified, then you may not have coverage. So you've got to be really careful still that you're stepping back. Don't just rely on legislation to protect you from yourself. You know, you are the person who is in control of your decisions and you have every opportunity to stop, breathe, step back. Don't let the pressure of, of a sales tactic or a spruker force you into a decision that you shouldn't be making or that you should be um, questioning or getting independent advice around. It's Look, it's really important. And the, the reality is that a lot of these developers or spruikers, sometimes they can set up a phoenix, they can set up a company and then they do a phoenix as well. So, you know, by the time you sort of worked it out, they might not even be around. So, you know, 
That's so, so you don't want to be relying on that because that's and who wants to go down that path anyway? Alrighty. So what's really important is that you be cautious. This is something to actually take seriously and not look for a shortcut, right? So being cautious, being well informed, and understanding always, you know, follow the money trail. What why am I being told sold this or told this? Who is really making the money out of this? Um, fact check and really just, you know, if in doubt, don't. Yeah. Oh, love it. If in doubt, don't. Now, if you've got more topics or questions on this topic that you'd like us to cover in these podcasts as well, just um, feel free, send us an email. Say hello, support at homebuyeracademy.com.au. Fabulous. In this episode, we've only touched on a tiny part of the huge amount of things you need to know to become an educated first home buyer. There is so much more for you to do. You can learn all of the steps in the right order and avoid all of the mistakes that others have made in our 10-step online course for first home buyers. If you'd like to learn more about the right process and avoid making rookie errors, become an educated home buyer. Head over to the website, check out your first home buyer guide the course that we have created for you. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you've liked what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. It helps other people find us. And of course, I know it's a bit cringy, but we're going to ask for five stars. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you've found this really useful. And if you have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with more priceless stuff.